0: coming to you from Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral. Have a couple of guests here in studio today. Got both of my daughters. Some folks came in to enjoy themselves, so they're going (laughs) to... Hopefully they have some fun here listening to us go back and forth on a few of the big issues. This is a Democrat and Republican walk into a bar, and I am your Democratic host, Dr. Cindy Banier, And I am,
1: of course, your Republican host, Sean Hartman. And so glad to see you here today,
0: uh, uh, getting, cooling off from the heat outside. I got the, um, some kind of sour beer.
1: I said no IPA, that's what I said. I already finished my mountain, too. I had a, walked here from uh, Del Prado from the bus stop because I had to go to the store real quick. So it was a bit of a walk. Uh, but, uh, and it's a an, an, uh, bit of a walk in 95 degree weather, so Ooh, it's, it's hot. <laughs> yeah,
0: the air conditioning in my car is even struggling, but yeah, I was out doing a uh, getting some secondhand Barbies out in Lehigh <laughs> for my friend. Yeah. Shout out to my friend Lexa, who is, uh, her daughters are a little bit or- older. My daughters are a little bit younger. So we yeah. got those, uh, Barbies on the, on the reuse. So,
1: Got a sweet
0: in the back too, by the way. Ooh, he's nice. very excited.
1: Then I actually genuinely like that movie. I did get a chance to see it. We were talking yeah. about it too, like yeah. that, how, how there was so much backlash from conservatives who were like, "Ah!" But I actually had a lot of my conservative friends um liked it as well. Yeah. So I don't really think I think there was a little bit more of a hype from the right wing because they just wanted to be angry at something, I guess. But Maybe. it was like.
0: It's just I, the real live people that I know that saw it. Like
1: that. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of even conservative people who saw it and liked it. I saw it more as a as a reversal of roles commentary, yeah. and so I thought it was I thought it was a very interesting and very very silly movie.
0: I so. mean, like it was definitely like aimed at my demographic of like middle aged mom. Like we were, all, I went with a bunch of other women. We were crying because mm-hmm. it was just like about that like hopefulness and like how Barbie was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know during our era when we were little girls it was like barbie could be anything and then you get out in the real world yeah, it's, it's a little bit right, more complicated yeah, yeah. so
1: and, and so it really i think it really did itself some justice um, but this is not a a, a show anyway yeah, it's just yeah, anyway. that's
0: it just, it just top of mind for today still
1: so, and then yesterday i went up to captiva oh yeah how's uh, Captiva doing? so beautiful oh me and my friends we went uh, we were out in the gulf of mexico we actually did a uh, prayer in the in the water. It was really cool, and it was just a beautiful time, um, just to go out there. Sanibel looks um, a lot different after both the both of the hurricane. You know, Hurricane Dollar didn't really hit us that badly as compared to Hurricane Ian, but of course right. Hurricane Ian did hit us. And you okay. can see a lot of trees were still torn down and everything yep. as we were passing through Sanibel. Um, but again, it was it's such a beautiful. It's just a beautiful place. It really is all I could say. Is, it's such a beautiful place. If you ever get a chance to go down there, it's, it's definitely worth
0: it. Yeah, trip. and actually, it's so funny because it does feel like a whole nother world from here in. Cape, it
1: really you know, does in
0: Fort Myers and Cape Coral, and you get out to the island. You're like, it almost. Oh.
1: It's, it's like, like this is this is ridiculous. what everybody's it's,
0: talking about.
1: <laughs> it's an entirely different thing.
0: If you can make it. So Sean just came and told me he's making brownie sundays for the kids. He's got all sorts of great sandwiches and stuff. So if you come out to Ollie's, come see a show, you can grab a sandwich. And, you know, thanks to Ollie's for hosting us here.
1: Absolutely, um, as always.
0: Actually, as we were talking about Captiva, one of the things I was going to say is uh, there's been a big controversy. Have you heard about that? I
1: have not heard of No, I don't know where this so
0: Obviously, Hurricane Ian really beat up the, the Barrier Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, the northern tip of Captiva where South Seas is. Did fared better than some of the other places. They only had about yeah, like four to five feet of storm surge, as opposed to yeah. the, the lower half. And then Sanibel, which had like eleven to fourteen. Course, yeah. Um. So anyway, the South Seas Resort takes over basically the whole north end of Captiva, mm-hmm. and they were trying to do a little like dealing with the county commission to get. A an exemption to put more high density residential and resort areas in there, and to build above the four story minimum to put six story units down in the end there. And
1: so, what's my I guess my question is what What is the the actual problem with that? I guess is what I'm trying to understand.
0: Okay, so the actual problem is one that there is a um. There is a county and a, a ordinance about building on the barrier islands because it's dangerous because they're the barrier islands. Uh, so there's because of the wind um, and the hurricanes you don't want to build too high. Okay. and because Captiva is the furthest away. Basically, you have to go all the way down Cativa yeah. and Sanibel to get out. Yeah, it takes about 24 to 48 hours to evacuate people from that area. Mm. So there was a decision a very long time ago when it comes to emergency planning to not have high density residential areas in that part. Okay. Um. And on top of it, the uh, the wastewater system in Tiva is actually trying to hook up to the wastewater mm. system in Sanibel and having additional density there would make it difficult um for the uh the sewer system there to handle mm. so
1: so well well that that second part it creates a very crappy situation it's for
0: literally <laughs> of course there you know it was kind of like part Oops. for the course yeah county commission well yeah shenanigans because mm. Um, this had come from the developers. There was actually a new owner for South Seas Resort. Yeah, someone came
1: a uh, group of uh, firms yep. that I did read just purchased it a few years ago. So that makes sense. And, and look, this is, mind you, par for the course when it comes to our county commission. There tends to be a very... um Yeah, pro developer, very close relationship between county government and developers, you even have county commissioners who are developers and candidates who are running for office who are developers. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's something, unfortunately, that uh, is a part of our local uh, politics and our local Republican Party that I am personally against. (sighs) Because at the same time, though, I really don't know all the facts. I'm not necessarily against an expansion, but what you're saying, and if it, uh, assuming it's, you know, I don't know all the details, but assuming that's true, where there's an actual safety issue, then yeah, I would be totally against it.
0: Yeah. So there's a few things that, that <laughs> are a problem, okay? Mm uh one is the safety issue second is the sewer issue third is you know the availability of the land and the environment to take on that level additional okay, yeah, that's, true, of yeah.
1: that's an area that's very beautiful that i wouldn't want overdeveloped that's okay. for sure
0: and and people have been trying to stop the expansion of south seas actually you know who's a famous uh southwest florida resident who's been fighting that since the 70s robert Rauschenberg, who is the artist uh, uh, yes. robert Rauschenberg actually bought all of the properties along the that northern border of Captiva and South Seas Resort to stop the expansion he did that in the 70s he basically went to the people who owned all those cottages and said I will buy them when you die if you promise to never sell them to South Seas Resort and so that's actually why South Seas Resort doesn't own all of Captiva
1: (laughs) (laughs) because of Bob Rauschenberg but anyway um and thank God for that because again Wait, if you have, like, and we were, we were, we were, we were at Captivo, we were just, just south of South Seas, so right. we were, we were in that same area, like, and I just, like, know? yeah, I think so, somewhere the around there, room. I don't, I don't fully, I don't fully remember exactly, you the would remember the bubble room, Yeah, you I don't remember. think we passed the bubble room, I wanted to go to the bubble room, bubble but, room's amazing. Yeah, I've Dude, heard of it, it's
0: weird, itchy restaurant out there, yeah,
1: very, very, that. very classic and historical, I think it's been around since what, the 70s, yeah,
0: it's been around for a long time, it's, so, it's Christmas all year at the bubble room that's the theme it's it's like it's a it's like the place that people like that's where you go on your vacation my kids we would our friends would would come up down from michigan and we would go to the bubble
1: room i we only went like we only went basically for the sunset because i work on saturdays until three and so i couldn't go the whole day i would have gone but then i worked till three and then my other friend who was taking us was working till five but yeah no very beautiful area and it's one of the you know you definitely don't want like something where a private organization a private resort owns an entire island right you know? yeah because it, it's very
0: problematic it because
1: it become and it's and it's it denies the beauty of that public area the beaches over there what everything that I gotta just see it would have privatized that and not allowed everyday folks right. to go and see it
0: And I mean, there's a ton of small businesses there, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Stillwell, uh, Sandy Stillwell owns uh, Captiva Island Inn, which is a series of small um, resorts there. It's like very small inns, as well as R.C. Otters um, and Keyline Bistro. Uh, And it's, you know, that's kind of part of the charm, right? It's this old Florida style. But let me tell you a little bit about the other part of the controversy. So this came up, uh, the expansion request came up in front of the county commission county commission was like oh yeah we're going to vote for it and then all of a sudden there were people going wait a second like this didn't follow protocol because they had said that excuse me actually it had came from staff and so it didn't need to be approved or notified the people who were living in the area. However, um, it was a proposal that was put forth by South Seas Resort in and of itself. So mm-hmm. actually the people, their residents uh, of South Seas Resort that like they, you know, they own the properties there. Mm-hmm. They were not informed of this expansion. And they were, of course, very upset about this because it, it's going to seriously challenge their current way of life to mm-hmm. put additional. I think yeah. it was like fifteen hundred people. Uh, Person capacity in this very small oh, area. Oh yeah,
1: um, that was that creates that that enough itself creates traffic issue. I didn't traffic, think about traffic.
0: That. Yeah, we had this issue, and
1: I remember because when I was running for city council in Cape Coral, this is one of the big issues we were talking about because of the residential developments that were coming in, all the people moving in. We did not have the infrastructure to do anything, you know, we now have the infrastructure to basically take on the added capacity. And so we've been having more traffic, more traffic accidents, more issues here in Cape Coral. And Cape Coral's large. We're the largest city physically and and population-wise, but we're the largest city in the county. And And so, if we're having that issue in Cape Coral, in an island that is... And there's one road. There's there's one road on Cape I'm telling you, it's it's basically the 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 uh, the island itself—I just realized you don't edit these, so that's going to be in the podcast recording. No, 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 no. I mean, anyway, but the island itself is probably the size of one block of neighborhood, maybe two blocks of neighborhoods. Yeah, you know, it's a very small island. So unless they're getting all those people in and out by boat only, then no, 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 no. no. Which of course they're not. No, yeah. they're
0: not. And- or if
1: they're keeping them isolated only on that property and they're not going out from there, then then no. No,
0: you, you can't. I mean, you're talking like a huge burden. And Sandoval Captiva Conservation Foundation was uh, leading the charge on this to sign the petition to get people to stand up against this and raise the, the uh, alarm on this. So that's going on. It hasn't been resolved yet. It did because of the irregularities of the original vote on it. The vote got postponed. But it's going to come back through the, the accounting commission. And we'll have to see uh, whether or not that very, very strong and powerful Sanibel Captiva Conservation Foundation is... Um, is uh, going to be helpful on that. And speaking of water conservation, I see John Haim had joined Congratulations, us.
1: Congratulations, John.
0: Yeah, he's on the Environmental Caucus. That's great. And many of you know that I am the Communications Chair for the Democratic Environmental
1: Caucus for yes. the state. Yes. So.
0: Yes. Fantastic. I didn't realize he
1: was based in oh, St.
0: Jose. Well, yeah, John was in Fort Myers Beach for a long time, but he's been a long time clean water advocate. Yeah. So.
1: I have I do follow that. And then I've been, I found him from all of his videos. Like he does amazing videos of the beaches. Um, so definitely, a um, a strong, uh, a voice for conservation down here. Um,
0: Right. So that, he knows exactly the type of stuff that we're fighting. So anyway, so that's just about Captiva and what's going on over there. So yeah. there's other stuff, more juicy.
1: Yeah. Still well, we missed, juicy. Well, we missed last week, the debate episode that we were supposed to have. Oh, so. right. Yeah. We,
0: there was a, uh, a, a, a memorial. Our hosts here at Ollie's were not able to open for us. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, oh my God. I'm just looking at the Sundays coming out. Oh, awesome. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, the debate episode. So you want to give us a rundown of the, uh, the trump list debate?
1: The trump debate. Well, first off, it actually was what I thought it would be, which was an actual debate on policy. Oh, um, isn't
0: that cute? It
1: was. It was very nice. Very nice. Um, so
0: very old-timey. It, very old-timey, old, oh, very old-timey basic
1: policy debate. Uh, I will tell you, the two people that really stood out to me, um, and this is just me personally, weirdly enough, Doug Burgum. I thought Doug Burgum did very well and just presenting himself as just a reasonable voice and staying on message. And then Byron Donald's F minus clean foot. I'm just reading what John Hyman is saying. Yes. Sorry. Anyway. Um, and then Nikki Haley, I think did a very good job yes. as presenting herself as a very reasonable voice. I like what she said when it came to the budget, how she, and I, many people forget that she was an accountant before As she, before she got mm-hmm. into public office, she comes from that accounting side and so she has a very good understanding of the budget, as well as, of course, foreign policy with her ambassadorship, yep, her
0: UN experience,
1: Your UN experience, which I very much appreciate. We both are, as you would say, globalists because we we are not really globalists, but we're 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 internationalists. We see we under we both understand the importance of yeah, we... American leadership on the world stage. Yeah, And exactly. so I've always appreciated that about Nikki Haley, and I think she even presented a very reasonable case with her stance on abortion, where she was like being realistic. She's like, look, we need 60 votes in the Senate in order to get any national abortion ban out. And quite frankly, I'm against it. And I think Doug Burgum said it too. He yeah. pulled out his constitution. He's like, the constitution is very clear. Tenth amendment. And I am. And I said like, it like,
0: show me in the constitution where it says you should be in my vagina. And I can't find that.
1: No. <laughs> so that, that this is why that right belongs to the States for the 10th amendment of the constitution. <laughs>
0: No, I'm pretty sure it belongs to the individual. It could be yeah, to the
1: states, to states or to the people technically. Yes, yeah, yeah, so.
0: does not belong to the federal or the state, belongs to the individual. individual. So, yeah. anyway, Mavdarn. We've, we've had this we've had <laughs> the
1: pro-life discussion already. But again, I liked how both of them came with that answer and were very reasonable about it. Where others were like well, we need to do a national ban, we need to do that, we need this. Um, and I I again, I don't think constitutionally a national ban is I don't think a national ban is constitutional. I don't think the federal government should be involved in general with the abortion debate. I do think it should be a state issue. And again, of course, we disagree on that. But I uh, mean, it
0: just generally flies in the face of the whole small government thing that mm-hmm. these Republicans. <laughs> sure, I and mean, we, which is what kind of we
1: definitely discussed that too, or where, where when when. uh Making laws against abortion is a government intervention into a personal life. So yeah, we definitely have had that. So go check out our old go podcast if you want to. If you want to so hear it. what we said about. So
0: that. Doug Burgum is the North North
1: Dakota, South Dakota. No, North Dakota. Dakota. You're right. North Dakota. Dakota. You're North Dakota Dakota right. South Dakota is. is
0: Chris. Uh, so yeah, but so he got on the stage because he was giving people who donated like twenty dollar gift cards. Yeah, he stuff. was one
1: of those, and so was Francis Suarez. That's so. Who, who apparently dropped out, ended his campaign the first one. And it just sucks for all those Suarez heads out there who were so excited for that. There was nobody.
0: But here's the thing, he really screwed himself because he made this statement saying, Oh, well, if you don't make the debate, like you shouldn't be in the race. And then he didn't make the debate. And he was like, uh oh, uh oh, uh. Oh, and then he had to drop out because mm-hmm. otherwise he looked just like a moron, you yep. know. But he didn't make it because he wasn't polling high enough. Is what yeah. I understand. He made the um, the donor cut because he ended up taking a page out of Doug Burgum's book. Yeah, he, he did the exact same the thing. same thing. So he had the he had all the other stuff, but he didn't. He wasn't polling high enough, yeah. so he had to eat his own words and drop out of the race. So now yep. there's only two Florida men running for the Republican <laughs> primary. Um, but yes, of course, the the big controversy is that there was it was no Trump. Trump's got. 50, 50 to 60% He's polling in the Republican primary. So
1: yeah. it was kind 48, of- 48, I think it's like anywhere between 48 to 50% now, like half of the, and I'm not even 100% sure how accurate those polls are, um, no. but we'll see. We'll see when the votes votes come in. But again, I well, think- I mean,
0: Trump even called it the the debate for vice president, so mm. kind of well, rough. And, yeah. and so from the Democratic perspective, we were like, this is stupid. And then we were like, Nikki Haley did okay, but is she going to keep, she was giving what seemed more like a general election kind of position, yeah. but is that actually going to get her elected in no, the Republican Hul- primary? Parliament.
1: Yeah, probably no. not. Uh, and then of course, the big guy on the stage was Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, which actually hurts Ron DeSantis because basically if everyone was targeting Vivek, they're not targeting Ron, which shows that Ron is not the uh not the big one, not Poor the guy to go fingers. after putting
0: fingers, <laughs>
1: really it's lost a
0: lot of momentum. Just,
1: really and, because he's because his base is the same as the Trump base, and he yeah. angered all the people who are already supporting him. Yeah. And so it, it it was a very dumb decision for him to run. It basically destroyed all of the political capital that he had within the Republican Party. Um, yeah. and the,
0: the fact is is that even so long other Republicans outside of Florida, he's not well-known and not well mm-hmm. Um And I've been hearing that for years before. Yeah. He's not, he's not a very
1: likable candidate as, as, as John is <laughs> saying, he's not very personable um, as, as we've talked about before on the show. Um, what, What I think is interesting, I like to think about like, okay, what's these races actually like compared to history? And I was thinking about it and I feel like this 2024 Republican primary has a lot of similarities to the 2008 Democratic primary, where Donald Trump is sort of your Hillary Clinton, quote unquote, establishment favorite. And then I think Ron DeSantis wanted to be the Barack Obama. But I think Vivek's ending up being the Barack Obama and Ron DeSantis is becoming the John Edwards. And so I think that we're getting to a point where Ron DeSantis has really damaged himself. But I will tell you, on that debate stage, Vivek was very immature. He came out to me as like someone who needed to get on Ritalin. Like he was a very hyperactive child. Yeah, and I, think, I don't know I think Mike how,
0: Pence had a few statements about that, telling him like there's th- no on the job training yeah. for the presidency kind I of. Think, I think I think there were the some, some
1: some good hits from a lot of those candidates. The Chat GPT line was pretty good from Chris Christie. I was laughing on that one, but yeah, no, he he was came off very immature in my opinion. And if he and I have a friend who's on his campaign, and I've told him like he needs to work on coming out more mature. And more adult, because again, we're electing the leader of the free world, I would want someone responsible and mature for that position. And it doesn't seem like he he definitely did not present that um, on the debate stage. And he really hasn't been presenting that throughout the campaign trail. And there's some ideas that I like about him, but some of them are just so far off and wacky. And, it's just, and like
0: highly unconstitutional. And highly, especially, like, yes. If, like, you know, saying that 18 to 24-year-olds have to take a, a yeah. test before they're allowed to vote. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous pandering mm. and something that's not possible in terms of like how the yeah. presidency works. And it's unconstitutional. So it's just, it's mm-hmm. like you're auditioning for a job and, and you have no idea what the yeah, parameters are. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, Nick, and I will say this because uh, I was obviously praising Nikki Haley earlier, but she was on one of the Sunday talk shows today talking about mental competency tests for Senate and Congress. And I'm quite frankly against, I don't really know if that's constitutional because of the eligibility requirements are set in the constitution. You, I mean, as much as I think we probably do need them, there's nothing in the constitution that says it needs to be. I,
0: yes. I mean, yeah, that's very problematic for a significant amount of reasons, but like, what is just had Well,
1: the reason it's coming up is because Mitch McConnell had a second freeze time moment.
0: And, and honestly, like, it's very, it's very challenging. I, I feel for Mitch McConnell. Mm. I really do. And his staff actually for his yeah, staff. Right, especially
1: right.
0: Like, man, like to be the yeah, Stanford at that moment.
1: Like, but, I, just, um, yeah, the, was I was just department. watching, she's
0: like, Senator, did you hear the question? He's like in another world. And, you know, and, and, and I
1: mean, to be fair, cause I work at a call center and I space out all the time too. So it's not an old person thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter because like yeah he's he is very aged um and yes this is something like we should have a dialogue about but it really should be like kind of a self-select thing it's like yeah. we well, this is really what elections be, be like hey our time is done mm-hmm let's like make room and cultivate the next generation. I would say not not just the Congress, but this has been like a big complaint of mine for a, a very long time. Mm. You look at corporations, you look at small businesses. We actually have a huge problem with boomers having stick, stuck out for so long and yeah. not having cultivated the leadership behind them yep. to the extent that we, we're we like, we're gonna lose a big portion of our small businesses because they didn't cultivate their their legacy behind them. Yeah. Uh, that we have leadership gaps. Because they chose to carve out middle Mm -hmm. management, and so many organizations Mm -hmm. that you have millennials and like Gen Z, and they haven't had enough time. Not millennials, but you have boomers and Gen Z. So, or
1: Gen X and Gen and millennials. I think is what you're trying to say.
0: Yeah, that whole middle part is gone. And so we we've just had a terrible time with leadership in this because boomers want to stick around for a long time and their uh, our medical system healthcare system has allowed them to live a lot long yeah. longer than which, their predecessors. which is which is
1: great it's but great. it's again but it's again you're you're absolutely right and we also have this problem in party politics as well where mm-hmm. we're older leadership and we see it of course in the congress and the senate right. these people in their fifth sixth seventh term they some of these centers have been around since you've been working there in the 90s you know yes, and you know yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe Biden's office was there right There is actually, from and I and I saw this on oh. the I saw this on the news today. There are eight senators right now who are born before 1945, which is like before the end of World War II. They were born. They have lived through World War II. Yeah, through through the Cold War. Like that is, and it, and it's great that they're still alive. But yeah, they needed to. They and and it should be. They should be the ones. As the statesman and the stateswoman to be the cultivators, the mentors right. of these next generation of leadership. A leadership yeah.
0: and I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see term limits. I'm against term limits in general, mm-hmm. not just because it's like hard, like hard to change the constitution, but because term mm-hmm. limits have a tendency to then favor corporations and PACs now because they're the ones that continuously can oh. fund. Yes, they can fund the, the pipeline. Look at our Senate and, and Congress or our legislature here in Florida. Okay, I know, okay. I know that. It's so only it,
1: four term limits, but yes, I can understand that being... An
0: concept, like do your job and get out. Yeah. But what happens is because you have that certain amount of time, you need funding to get the next generation of people in there. Yeah. And that, because of the way our campaign finance works, happens to go to corporations' special interest. Yeah. it is yes. So, oh, it's in practice... practice. Well,
1: Theory versus practice situation. Is very different.
0: And then, yeah, I don't want to have any sort of means testing go on qualification because that can also become a slippery slope to eliminate people for certain ideologies or whatever. It can be used in a lot of different ways. So we have to rely on the ballot box to, to preserve our democracy. And that means making sure that we're getting the right people elected.
1: No, I 100% agree. I think that. The ultimate decision maker is the voter. And again, it it really, it depends on them uh, to decide whether or not a certain senator or a certain uh, Congress member should be uh, representing them. And again, these senators, they're elected for a six year term, they're meant to serve for that stability for that reason. And so It really is up to them on whether or not they're either going to run or they are going to resign. Diane Feinstein has already made the decision she wasn't going to run again, which was the right decision, whether or not she should resign. Uh probably she should, but again, it helps us Republicans, so I don't mind. So she could keep 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 going and keep staying on. That's fine by me. But I feel like if she was thinking about okay, who's best to represent Diane
0: Feinstein just for those of you that don't know, had um, shingles earlier this year, and was out of commission for several months. So she wasn't able to uh, make votes in Mm. the Senate. So as certain things were coming up and they tried to delay, the Democrats tried to delay certain things, but I think it specifically impacted the judicial appointments. There
1: were still appointments for Biden that were being held back because Feinstein's absence. And so happy for that. Very glad that we were able to get that from no, was, well, you that know, was, but again, but if you're thinking about this from a, if, if the reverse was true and we had a Republican senator we're, right. uh, blocking Republican just judges, I would be saying that Republican needs to resign because
0: Mitch McConnell was out with a broken hip as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is this is a problem when you have folks who are older and their health is deteriorating as well
1: yeah they're going to the doctors all the time and it's not necessarily because they're senile or because they're unhealthy it's just again you get to that point you know things keep breaking and so they have to go to the hospital so it's the same with my grandparents too we have to they live right smack dab in the middle of the medical centers in barclay circle so anytime they need anything they can just go they can just go (laughs) right
0: so let's see so we talked about the debate we talked about uh the mitch mcconnell freeze what else is on your mind
1: Oh, what else is on my mind? We, of course, had
0: Hurricane Adalia. Yes, I was going to say. Which did a flyby here in Southwest Florida.
1: It wasn't too too bad for us, but I mean.
0: It gave a storm surge, though. So we did have, um, especially our coastal areas, Fort Myers Beach hmm. and anybody along the river, did experience up to three feet of storm surge. Um, And interestingly enough, uh, it affected, the storm surge affected the, basically, the whole west coast of Florida, um, and it's kind of the first time that that has really ever happened. It did it, Tampa all the way up too, not inland as much because it was offshore, mm-hmm. but we still had uh, those waves coming in and affected. Yeah,
1: it definitely, we definitely felt the storm storm itself. I actually um, held my first hurricane party. It was a one man hurricane party, but me and my friend were hanging out. But I've always wanted to do one of those for those who aren't from Florida. A lot of us, when there's a hurricane, have hurricane parties where we all go to someone's house and 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 enjoy the hurricane. Drink again. and hang and out. And, and yeah. Hang out type of thing.
0: That's what we used to do. So I lived in Taiwan in Japan mm. and we would have typhoon parties. It's <laughs> pretty much the same. but uh Because the typhoons are just hurricanes in the Pacific. Yeah, so, exactly. But well, it's like when you're younger, that's what you do. Now, when you have kids and you're trapped in your house for three days because everything is flooded windy and windy and rainy, it's not a hurricane party. It's, it's a uh, party. Yeah, no.
1: It's like a, it's very, it, it is, it is a trial for sure. Um, no. Um, but we made it. Yeah, that was, well, yeah. I, I mean, we had, we, I mean, we, I think we, we got, got it pretty well. We didn't get, it, we didn't get it too bad. And of course it, I think it had more central Florida and everything. Well,
0: yeah, it, it hit ultimately in uh, what's called the Big Bend area near Cedar Key, which fortunately for everybody is a lesser populated area. It's very agricultural, mm-hmm. rural and, and, uh, not densely populated the way that Southwest Florida is and the way that it hit, um, it just didn't cause as much damage. Yeah. So, Hey, Sean, can I have another? Yes. Thank <laughs> you. I get one of those tasty beers. So, um, you, you know, of course people who lived in those coastal communities, uh, they mostly evacuated. We didn't see the loss of life yeah. uh, the way that we saw here. Uh, that's also because, you know, we, um, there was a delay in the evacuation here. Um, and uh
1: we were more prepared this time than we were last time. We we'll were we'll more definitely, prepared. I'll definitely consent to that. Um, I do, it's interesting because Ron DeSantis made a big deal about how we need to put politics aside and, and we need to do what's right. And then Joe Biden's in Florida and Ron DeSantis is nowhere to be and seen. He stiffs them, actually. Him. He, and they,
0: they agreed to me and Ron DeSantis.
1: That does not, and, and I get why Ron DeSantis up. did. You don't want that, that photo shot. There is even during the debate, there was that discussion where Chris Christie was attacking.
0: Oh, no, no, the no, Sandy no. Monday?
1: Chris Christie. No, Chris. <laughs> Chris Christie was <laughs> Chris Christie was attacking Vivek, trying to compare him to Barack Obama for his inexperience. And then Vivek went on to say, well, you're going to hug, hug me like you did Obama and help him win. So he doesn't Ron Doesn't want that Photoshop photo shoot with him and Joe Biden. And <laughs> that, I understand that,
0: that was the end of, um, uh, Chris, uh, Charlie Chris being a Republican. That was exactly,
1: that was what killed Charlie Chris Republican career, exactly.
0: When Barack Obama came here during the housing crisis mm-hmm. and they hugged right here in downtown which I saw.
1: I was just getting my start in politics. I wasn't even that much paying attention.
0: I slept on the concrete outside convention center
1: to get in. I saw Biden when he was here during the 2012 campaign. He was at some golf course in. in of,
0: to, to, uh, to Biden uh, during Hurricane Ian, I just oh. missed him. Oh, <laughs> I just missed him. Um,
1: cool. he got all oh, yeah,
0: he
1: yeah, Ron didn't want that. Ron didn't want that photo shoot, which I get. But then, why would you make a big deal about? We're gonna put politics aside, and there's a time to campaigners he's the full of shit. Of course. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will not say it in those exact words, but. It is definitely hypocritical of him, and he should not have said anything if he wasn't going to show up. I personally, again, the reason we do this show is because we believe in bipartisanship, and putting politics aside and having these discussions, and especially when issues like hurricanes come up. Yeah, it shouldn't be Ron DeSantis. When it when it hurt, Ian, they were together and it was fine, you know, and and that's because that at the time that mattered, but no. Now he's like, I'm campaigning for president and he's wanting to be, you know. Well,
0: and I would say, of course, for somebody who's saying, let's put politics aside, there was the uh, campaign memo that leaked saying that Ron DeSantis was going to tout all of his good deeds from the hurricanes as part of his campaign strategy that came out today.
1: Oh, I did not read that, but that is not good. No. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, obviously, especially if you're a governor, in a state with a hurricane I hate to say it but yes having being the governor in a hurricane and showing leadership or showing leadership in a national natural natural disaster while you're running for president that's a good thing it's it is. good optics it is. it's you know you can you can complain about how horrible that is it's good optics you just don't say it out loud <laughs> yeah you,
0: like, you do things I did great <laughs> during this hurricane, <laughs> you know, but anyway, so yeah. speaking of other things that are very bad for Ron Santis, um, we saw yesterday a judge in Leon County overturned I the congressional lab. Yes. And this is part of the challenges that mm. are, uh, happening on behalf of the ACLU. And I forget, there's like two or three other nonprofit or organizations, particularly fighting for the voting rights of, uh, black people in the United States. Yeah.
1: So, and so from my understanding the the district in question is a uh, is a district that used to be District 5 in Jacksonville. It used to be Corinna Brown, Al Lawson's district.
0: Yep, it was. And yep. then they
1: basically carved that up and gerrymandered it. So basically all of the Black neighborhoods are all in different white neighborhoods. Very similar to what they did with Dunbar and carving it into Greg Stoopy's district, even though it's more reasonable for it to be in our district with 5
0: right. and think, okay, Interestingly enough.
1: Oh, Dunbar did? Uh-huh. Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, the congressional map that passed the Senate had Dunbar in 17, but then Ron DeSantis's map put Dunbar back in. Oh, good. Um, this was actually when uh, Byron Donalds and DeSantis were still friends. Yes, yeah, because
1: Byron Byron really wanted Dunbar because he felt that they were making headway. You know,
0: right, because part of his shtick is that he's bringing black people in.
1: Exactly. To, um, well, so I would Like that. 10 to 1, so. <laughs>
0: Uh, Never mind that (laughs) little little like back up a little bit on what had happened here in the state of Florida we had the the redistricting year, we gained a congressional seat. So that meant that after the 2020 census, that we had to redraw our map so that we had 28 seats with around 750,000 people in each seat. Now in our own state constitution, there are rules around how we have to draw those districts. They have to be as contiguous as possible. They have to have as many natural communities in them. Um, They cannot isolate different uh, ethnic groups of people. and they have to be compact so you can't have like going crazy kind of yeah. thing um but according to the 1965 voting rights act that we also uh, cannot disenfranchise any particular group of people and mm. that Given the population in a certain state, there has to be what they call opportunity districts where populations of minorities, including especially black people, given the 1965 Voting Rights Act, uh, have the opportunity to vote in a candidate of their choice. So that doesn't necessarily mean a majority minority district, but it means that they have, if there's an availability to put them yeah. together so they can vote as a block, that that's preferable. Yeah. So what happened here in the state of Florida is that we had a House and a Senate committees that were desi- put forth to draw the maps. Mm-hmm. And the Florida legislature passed a congressional map that was subsequently vetoed by Ron DeSantis. They re- they called a special session in yes. play. And Ron DeSantis basically told them, you're going to pass my map that I made, which is unprecedented. And by the way, yeah. anywhere in the United States, there's never been a governor that has drawn their own congressional mm-hmm. map. Um, And because the map that was passed originally by the Florida House and Senate was what was described as only slightly favorable to Republicans. And really, everybody was quite surprised. Yeah, The map, by comparison to uh, what Ron DeSantis had put forth and was subsequently passed in the special session, mm. uh, gave the Republicans three additional House seats and was incredibly favorable to Republicans, as noted by external non- partisan um analysis of the seats Mm -hmm. so um that is what we were voting on in 2022 and did in fact win three additional seats for the republicans and al lawson uh who was a black congressman who had been representing district five uh was not able to um win in those newly gerrymandered districts and i believe it also was another two or three districts um that were kind of written out into be heavily republican districts So that has now Mm. been, it was challenged legally, and now its first challenge, it basically was sent back to the legislature for a redraw. That's where we are right now.
1: Okay, yeah, I did see something about this, Uh, and this is something that you and I both agree on when it comes to gerrymandering. Um, because gerrymandering, the problem with gerrymandering is you have the politicians choosing their voters, not the voters choosing the politicians. Right. I do not care if it's a, it's a Democrat or a Republican. Right. That is wrong. That is not what our republic stands for. So that's my, I'm on principle against gerrymandering. And, and the fact of the matter is what what, what I want to see here on this, and what has been very disappointing for me, is we have had many, um, I won't say necessarily the Republican Party, even though you do have had many Republicans um, speak out and obviously in, in favor of this. We had a lot of conservative media promoting the idea that we won, therefore we get to draw the map. And it was very much the same way locally here too, with the county commissioners were drawing the map and they were having that discussion of the districts. Single member districts, the,
0: right.
1: Well, not necessarily single member districts. We were talking about the redistricting oh, of, the, of the, of the you district. Had, you had a few maps that were controversial and you had county commissioners who are speaking to us saying, you know, we want to make this, you know, want to make it, make sure that we, you know, keep it this way. And they right. were making that argument that, that um, this is better for Republicans and not for Democrats, which I did not like, but you had a lot of Republicans basically saying, again, saying the quiet part out loud where they're saying like, Hey, we want, we won. Therefore we're going to draw it. So that way more of us win. That's not a Republican. That yeah. is a that is an authoritarian system yeah. of politicians trying to choose who their voters are and not the voters choosing the politician.
0: Right. And I was gonna say it's actually throughout history, it mm. is Oh, Whoever yeah. wins and it, it's Republicans and Democrats who have doing it. it. just so happens to be in the state of Florida right now. It's Republicans yeah. who have done it.
1: Democrats have done it too. It Democrats have past. done it in other, other states. And I'm, I'm Democrats have. Everybody who's in
0: power and decides like they get to draw the Democrats, line. because so they're going to make it favorable. Well, I mean,
1: level. let's not forget. Republicans weren't even in control of the legislature until 2000. So for the 20th century, it was Democrats mm-hmm. making this decision.
0: Right. So but it became actually a strategy. <laughs> across It has. Yes, you're places. absolutely right. You
1: have both Eric Holder i been running a Democratic operation trying to get more Democrats to get elected to state legislature. And Republicans have done the same thing. Yep. And they specifically target the end of the decade to make sure yep. they have the representatives they need yep. in order to decide who, are, who their voters are going to be. It's wrong.
0: It is wrong. And two things I want to say on this. So one is that this is actually the second time that Florida has had their congressional maps challenge. It was the 2010 census and all the 2020 census. No, no. So it's really unfortunately a disservice for the people in the state of Florida that they have to go through this. Yeah, and it costs taxpayer like,
1: money. Yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it's yeah. cost money. So um, that's kind of a thing. That's a big problem for me. I actually am in favor because I am pro voter i am pro-democracy as opposed to pro-party i want to see i would like to see the equitable districts now Mm -hmm. this is something that had been proposed in the most recent voting rights act that was not that was passed by the last congress but not enacted Mm -hmm. and that would mean that we would have uh the 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 mandate to those drawing the maps would be that they had to draw them in the most Bipartisan way possible, so that the de- districts were evenly balanced as much as possible.
1: I would like to see that honestly. I mean, I know that that it won't be beneficial to the Republican party, obviously, because it would it would weaken us in the Republican states. Um but I do think that we need more swing districts. We need more areas where that can be more competitive i have said very publicly like i like the competition when you as democrats bring a bunch of people into the race and and give us a challenge i enjoy that you know
0: good for democracy and
1: like it's good it makes us better as republican leaders across
0: the state of florida because i mean democrats are just as upset about it well let's put it this way the democrats who do not live in blue districts are upset about it because what ends up happening is you get those people. They're very safe in their district. Like Debbie Watson and Schultz, her district is like a, a Democrat plus 27 mm. or something, right? No Democrat that runs there is ever going to have a challenge. Yeah, it's true. Right. And uh, because that's called packing, right? You pack the districts or you crack them and put the, the, the opposing party's demographics in the other districts. Mm. Um, and so what ends up happening is you get this kind of sick lopsidedness as that these folks who are running in these heavy districts, they never have challenged. So yeah. the, 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 Democrats in the state are not challenged by anybody. Yeah, and so the Republicans
1: are not challenged. And so by they everybody. don't, they don't have any responsibility to be held accountable. Exactly. You take the Debbie Wasserman Schultz thing. Everyone knows about like, for example, her issue with insider trading, the issues that she had with the DNC chairmanship, right? right? Still being elected Byron Donalds. You bring up, uh, quite a bit about the corporate interests that are supporting him, right. which again, Byron's a friend and I support him, but I don't support the fact that there's so many corporate interests supporting him. And well, it's a very then, fair criticism. And it's and a very- Debbie
0: Wasserman Washington- Schultz has got- And, on and Debbie Wasserman corporate Schultz, yeah.
1: She's one of those- and There's a lot
0: of Democrats who don't like that, but because mm-hmm. she's like the big dog, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the state, like she gets to control it. And actually she controls the funding. She's
1: basically, she's basically the- She's boss like star. the yeah just the boss those who flows who know their their political history political bossism was the big thing in the early 20th century right. where you had one person in power who basically controlled the party apparatus basically shepherded the votes usually through bribes and then through them they would give everyone political jobs and different positions right. it was a spoil system it was a whole corrupt situation yeah. and it was something that back in the day it was a big debate within Republicans. And you had um, a lot of great Republicans um, who really rallied against that, like um, like Chester A. Arthur, I believe which was a very interesting, for those who are, I'm just such a history nerd, but like Chester A. Arthur, when he became president, he was one of the corrupt people who was put into office by being very well connected, then James uh, Garfield gets assassinated by someone who wanted that job. And he felt this sort of pressure and basically created civil service reform. And Mm -hmm. that was his main contribution as president, which most people don't realize. But this this was a major debate with Republicans and Democrats, where these bosses would essentially pick the people going up to president. Harry Truman was actually selected for his vice presidential role by Missouri bosses who wanted to get him in there. Right. Like these are like powerful political maneuvering people. Right. And Debbie is the sort of boss. Well, of and,
0: and Broward. how does that come about when you don't, when you have gerrymandering, mm. when you have political polarization, when you have that capacity to, to, you know, be the kingmaker mm. and it, doesn't serve the people it Mm-mm. doesn't serve the dialogue and debate because you get unfortunately what happens is like this is just oh this is a democrat area this is a republican area and really
1: the, and no the- one and then and then neither side invests in and the other people-
0: what's going on mm. like they don't know they don't feel beholden to their citizens they don't explain you know the pros and cons of various mm. policies they just go up and say and do whatever they want and very, no one's ever held accountable very few
1: republicans and i can tell you this because again i've been i've been here for over a decade working on republican politics republicans will most of the time they will go to republican events republican circles during the campaign trail some of them will go after some of them will not but a lot of them will will only go during the campaign trail and of course they won't go to anything democrat or anything nonpartisan or right. anything that they could that could hurt them in any way shape or form right. they do not debate they right. have they are generally advised by their advisors not to debate uh the democrats um unless they're in a nonpartisan race and they really don't really ha- have a choice to debate mm-hmm. their to debate there in in certain forums but republicans feel very comfortable here and it's one of the things right. i try to tell them Within our inner circle is like, hey, let's not be as comfortable. The Democrats can be a threat if we are just resting on our laurels. I'm sure you would love it if we just kept doing the same no, thing. No, just
0: keep it's just, chilling. <laughs> it's not a big deal. See,
1: see what I'm saying? But that—that's yeah, what okay, I'm saying. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this is what—that what? was my campaign slogan in 2022. 2020 was like, it, underestimate me. That'll be fun. Yeah, I right. said that, was that a good one. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we made the headway there. We
1: did make a lot of numbers. And that's, again, what I'm trying to tell these Republicans. Like, if you guys keep paying down the margins, it could hurt us. And you could flip Florida blue. You could cost uh, Rick Scott the Senate seat. Because we do have a, I do think we have a strong candidate in Debbie Mercastle Powell. Uh, Powell. Because, yep. again, Rick Scott only won that Senate seat by a small percentage of vote. Most, and
0: speak of unlikable. Yikes.
1: Speak of unlikable, yeah. Mis- Mr. Voldemort right over there Uh, (laughs) Uh, but even then it's
0: really hard to look human in this human suit um if
1: there is any if there is any truth to the reptilian overlords controlling everything it would be from rick Rick scott lord no but i do think and i will
0: say that uh the Rick Scott seat has been targeted by the D Triple C, and the DNC is one of the most flippable uh, potential seats in the country. I think
1: if we do not, if. If we, if we let our guard down, we could lose that seat. Absolutely. Because again, rick Scott won by a small percentage of the vote and a lot of that was the Hispanic vote flipping from Nelson to him. And Debbie Mercasile Powell is the first South American who has been elected right. to Congress. She's a Latina. She can, wow. pull, she can pull those votes back. So and we, I'll
0: tell you what, and I will give you a little inside baseball on this because there are two other uh, Democrats that are running and they're not unknown folks. One of them is Phil Ayer who it, had run against Matt Gates in 2020. And the other... Is Is
1: Alan Grayson, who was a congressman, yeah, from
0: Alan Grayson, is a throw arrow, but had also lost Rick Scott initially, I believe.
1: Alan, no, Alan Grayson has run, has been a congressman. No, he lost to Rubio. I don't think he's ever really run. He's lost the primaries. He's never gotten out of the primaries when he's ran for Senate because he ran in 2018. He lost. He ran in 2020. He's tried to run for his congressional seat multiple times. He's tried to get his wife elected. He's tried to get his daughter elected. You know, and he is, uh, I'm just going to say it, an asshole. He is a big asshole. And, and I'm sorry, you're, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sorry. Sure she seems like old enough that she could take that. But <laughs> I was just worried about Evie. But the point I'm trying to make is this guy, he's not a nice guy. He's a very bombastic jerk. He's very much a progressive version of like Donald Trump. Quite frankly, he's he, an-
0: I don't know anything about him other than he's always kind of running around. I will you he's not super well liked within the party and in fact um he announced and uh phil air announced and they were basically both ignored similarly by the party. Well,
1: yeah. And I think that from what I can tell from Nikki Frieda, she wants a, a singular candidate so that they're they're all unified. And obviously I don't think they're gonna convince either of the other two minor candidates to drop out. So they're just gonna ignore them.
0: So I think what it was it too is there was some polling that was done by I think it was the Democratic Senate committee. And they actually polled voters across the state of Florida as to whether or not in a matchup, Rick Scott versus Debbie Castle Powell, who would win? And she was actually polling ahead of Rick Scott, so mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons.
1: Why but again? She I, I'm not surprised by that. Again, campaign. she is she is a very. Um, I mean, Ooh. she is she is a Hispanic voice, and that was the the group of vote, the voting block that put Rick Scott over the top over Bill Nelson in his election in 2018. And she's
0: the greater miami area yeah,
1: which there's is an area there. where we where we have gained a stronghold so we're basically playing defense in miami but- <laughs> He's got
0: from naples yeah and i don't see him being on the ground in miami too much Mm-mm. but anyway yeah so that'll be coming up now there was one we're coming close to time here there's one other issue i know you
1: emailed me on i forgot it already i, forgot I think there was something there was a sh- something that i saw the shooting the Jacksonville shooting. Do I really want to talk about the Jacksonville shooting?
0: <laughs> you want to talk about how Angie Nixon, Angie Nixon, representative from the Jacksonville? I, I didn't, didn't
1: see those photos though.
0: <laughs> just the most amazing stink eye. To Ron DeSantis, because she was one of the black leaders in the community uh, that came in after the Jacksonville shooting. This was where a a self-professed white supremacist came in and targeted black people at a Dollar General outside of a historically black college and university Mm. in Jacksonville. Black leaders then came up to kind of have a memorial and for some community healing. And Ron DeSantis flew in and took over their their Uh, meeting and they were pissed and actually i realized that in the background of one of the other photos nikki freed is in the background also giving him a stink eye um so yeah i I didn't realize
1: that i didn't realize that so you know coming in uninvited that's kind of kind of a a jerk move um i do give props to ron to going into that area where he was not popular getting booed and still going in and i think there was a city councilwoman uh, a Democratic City Councilwoman who did defend him for being there, which I appreciated, but I applaud him for his courage. But again, he wasn't invited, that is kind of a jerk move, and that that I can sort of understand. It's my
0: understanding, he was not. Yeah. So that's not the case, yeah,
1: that, that's not something. I and mean, Angie do. Nixon,
0: of course, went on all the talk shows and on. Yeah,
1: we, way to ele- yeah, that basically elevated her profile. So, so good. How do you She's there?
0: awesome. She does
1: seem kind of she does seem kind of cool for for your side. I obviously don't don't agree with her politics, but I always have a lot of respect for a lot of your the Demo- lot of the democrats out there who are who are who are the fighters who are the passionate ones. Yeah. Like I, I don't agree with them but I just I just respect it. I do. I respect people who are are politically passionate and fight for what they believe in.
0: And I believe it was 2020 when she first ran and she was pregnant at the time and still really? and the seat wasn't a flip but the woman who was a Democrat, she was a Dino. We don't have many of them, but she was yeah. a, a Democrat who was running in Jacksonville, had that seat, but she was supported by only Republicans. Mm. So uh, J- Angie Nixon, you know, um, won the seat from her. <laughs> and so,
1: Did the Republicans run, any, run in that race? No. Uh, see that. This is, again, we had this similar situation. When right. I was living in Orlando, this happened with America. Uh, was the, not Amira Fox, the, the one, the one before Monique Worrell. Um, Amaris, Amaris Ayala. Amaris Ayala. Ayala. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when she was running, I moved up to Orlando in 2016, she was running against a democratic incumbent that was supported by all the Republicans. Now there was no Republican running in the race. And most importantly, there was no in in the race. So it was an open primary, and Republicans were just putting their support behind the Democrat, thinking that they can get the Democrat over the top, mm-hmm. and they didn't. And then for about three, four years, they were complaining about her, like how dare, how horrible she is. And I just kept thinking to myself and saying in these meetings, like, why didn't we run a Republican? Right. Because again, this is that that hubris that they think that we can support a Democrat and that will be better for us. No, right. No.
0: And, and and that's not uncommon no. in areas where you have largely one party in control because and that's I'm, not, what I'm
1: sure that this, this Democrats is,
0: say here about I mean, certain mm-hmm. Republicans.
1: You have, you have Democrats who won't run people in certain races if you have a Republican that has a more moderate stance that they can get behind. That's seen that, yeah, because you don't, but then Republicans notice this and they put a right in candidate and it just shuts it all down. Right. Mm-hmm. Which
0: is why we're running Democrats in every seat. So.
1: <laughs> which is again the wise thing to do you know you need to be running and it, it makes us better it makes us competitive it requires us to respond and if you know we should be responding it gives me work to do as the communications chair of lee county gop
0: yeah and so. i'm amazing at making memes guys every dumb shit thing that you've said i'm gonna turn into a meme in fact you should check out my most recent one about i that. saw
1: <laughs> i saw it i saw it <laughs>
0: We're going back in the archives, y'all. We're gonna find. They're, they're going.
1: They're digging. They're digging. They're 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 playing hardball. But again, I I I like it from, from a competitive standpoint. I I see politics I think much you like have people.
0: being held accountable for what you said. Yes, say.
1: exactly. Well, that too. But I I see it more like a like a sport, and we need to be more competitive and we need to have more sportsmanlike conduct. Where we you know, not hating each other. But you know, honestly, competing on our values and our ideas, yeah. Which is again why we have Let's this dance podcast. and ideas,
0: because uh, I would love to hear some of those.
1: And with that, instead of just
0: nonsense. But anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll call that a day. Um, I hope uh, with the Labor Day holiday tomorrow. Um, just want to ha- hope everybody has a a restful holiday. And big shout out shout out to the labor fighters in our past and to workers across the United States.
1: Yep. And that's one thing that we both agree on. We're very both pro-workers. And, and I will say this, that the Republican Party, even though rhetorically we have uh, voiced our support for workers, we still need to match that up with policy. And so there's a lot more work in our party that needs to be done in sort of implementing pro-worker policy. But I am 100% in support of that. We need to be a more pro-worker party within the GOP.
0: And pro-union.
1: pro-union. <laughs> I think, you, I, I think unions so- are strong. I think the thing with unions is that unions are a great counterbalance in a free market system between the power of the corporation. Because this is what Adam Smith talked about, that businesses and corporations have all this power, and the laborer does not have that much competitive bargaining power. And what a union does is it equalizes that, and I'm 100% supportive of it.
0: That's where they've been union busting and that's paid to have Republicans. And let me say this this too country. Let me say this too if you want to union busting policy just like they did in 2022 here in the state mm, of Florida.
1: And I'm and I'm against yeah, there's been a lot of stuff that the Republicans were doing against unions that I'm not supportive of 100. percent I do want to say this one final thing though is that labor unions, especially if you're concerned about communism and socialism, labor unions are a preventer preventer for communism and socialism. Because if you can provide labor with a voice and power, they they will have no reason to have a workers of the world unite communist revolution. So that's something that I don't think that's a lot of people think about. <laughs> if you want to protect free market capitalism, you want to be pro-labour union. Just a thought. <laughs>
0: I'm going to let him leave with that. Thanks for joining us here today at a Democrat-Republican walk into a bar. I've been your Democratic host, Dr. Cindy Vanier, along with my Republican co-host. Sean Hartman. And uh, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to uh, show some love to our sponsor, Ollie's Pub here in Cape Coral. And if you enjoyed the show, we would love to have your support for it. You can get it emailed directly to your inbox. I got Evie here. There's Evie. uh, $4.99 a month. And uh, that helps independent media just like us. You can check that out on the Big Mouth media website at bigmouthmediafl.com on the plans and pricing page. And if you like all of our shows, you can get everything emailed to you directly for just $19.99 a month. And you can find that again at the plans and pricing page on bigmouthmediafl.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
1: See you later.